listening to Affect Autism, where Affect is the number one tool we use in supporting child development through playful interactions. Hello, this week we have a return guest, Dr. Andrea Davis, who's a psychologist at the Greenwood Therapy Center in Pasadena, California. She's a DIR expert. She's involved with the DIR Coalition of California in advocacy. That's the Developmental Individual Differences Relationship-Based Model that we discuss here at affectautism.com. Welcome back, Dr. Davis. So much. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Well, I'm really excited, too, because um, for, for people that are viewing on YouTube, I just want to remind you that there are a number of different uh, blogs and podcasts I've done with Dr. Davis before. We did the first podcast about her book with her colleagues, Floor Time Strategies to Promote Development in Children and Teens, a user's guide to the DIR model, which has really helpful suggestions for how to do uh, floor time when you're a beginner and, and all of the different strategies at each of the developmental capacities. Then we talked about self-reflection in floor time, and that's what we're going to be doing today. We've mm -hmm. been reviewing some blogs of me doing floor time with my son over the past few years. This was, um, actually, this was in 2016, but we also did a follow-up in 2017, and then we did a follow-up in February of 2018, reviewing uh, another video, and again in May of 2018. So it has been about a year. Mm -hmm. That's right. So I'll put links to these old podcasts and blogs for people that go to the blog at affectautism.com. You'll see, uh, if you look up the last few podcasts, you'll find Dr. Davis. And, um, and then <clears throat> you can look up all of this wonderful stuff. So today um, we have a video which I can go to when, when uh, you let me know, Dr. Davis. <clears throat> Excuse me. I shared a video with Dr. Davis of me bowling um, just at home in our hallway with my son, who's now 10. He's developmentally much younger. He loves the PJ Masks, which is a, a new cartoon with three superhero characters. Uh, there, There's Connor, Greg, and Amaya. And then at night, they turn into the PJ Masks, Owlette, Gecko, and Catboy. And then there's three villains, Luna Girl, Romeo, and Night Ninja. So we have these six bowling pins with each of those characters on there. And I filmed a floor time session with my son of doing this bowling game. And we're going to review it together. And Dr. Davis is going to walk through the process. I believe it's A9 strategy, I think, or of self-reflection from the floor time book of hers. And this is what we encourage all caregivers and practitioners to do is review videos of doing floor time and reflect on them in the way that we're going to demonstrate right now. So yeah. uh, I'll let you go from here, Dr. Davis. All right. Well, this is just such an amazing opportunity for everyone to watch the growth and development of a, a real floor time use in a real family with a real child and mom and to see how your son has changed, how you have changed as we've, we've done these check-in videos over time. It's just when we talk about evidence-based approaches, um, there is tons and tons of video evidence that we have when we videotape a, a child 
growing in, in, in their social, emotional, developmental capacities. And with the DIR lens, it helps us really zoom in and see that, see what's changing fundamentally. I was just talking last uh, yesterday with Courtney Carney, an expert training leader uh, from Florida, uh, how we can uh, show videos to our colleagues and without a specific developmental framework and lens, they may not see the same thing until they've been exposed to the DIR framework that helps us see what is, what is profoundly fundamental to a child's abilities to relate and communicate and, and grow in the ways that we want them to. So when we see uh, play videos, we can really expand on what we're seeing in the growth of the child. So I'm, I'm really excited to see the bowling video with everyone today. And as you said, one of the key uh, strategies that people forget about in DIR floor time is this, the, the parents or the professionals self-reflection as they grow and watch themselves uh, thinking about who am I, my individual differences, and how does that interact with the kind of relationship-based work I'm trying to do with my child or with my client. So we, this is what we're doing live, is reflecting together on the videos. And I've seen so many um, growth areas, both in your son and in you, over this time. So I want to get into that. Cool. Well, that's exciting for me to hear because uh, <laughs> just for those listening or watching, uh, Dr. Davis and I have not discussed this. I only center the video and then I'm hearing what she has to say for the first time here live. So um, would you like me to queue up the video? Um, yes. And I think what I would love to point out for people um, to see is, as you mentioned, these are bowling pins that light up at night. There's lots of uh, sound and light stimulation and even ide ideational stimulation with the characters. Um, and for a child who's so imaginative as, as your son, uh, all of these things could be pro possible distractors. For some kids, it's the lights. These are very bright, sparkly bowling pins. For some kids, it could be the, the action and the motion that distracts them in a, it, to some degree to begin to be more self-absorbed. Uh, for a child like yours with so many ideas and imagination, it could be those characters that could could possibly uh, distract the child from the experience of bowling together. And that's what is so thrilling to watch about you guys together doing the bowling is that you kept front and center, both of you, the relationship of bowling together and the togetherness of bowling together so that this is truly a social activity where it's not, it's not about the lights, the sound, the, mo the motion and the movement, or the private ideas, but the shared ideas and the shared pleasure of bowling together, despite all the potential temptations and distractions. So I, I love this video. Yeah, why don't we watch some of it, and then I'll stop and make comments along the way as I can point out some of his growth and some of your changes in growth. Sure, and I will say that I think the way they're designed is uh, they don't flash or anything until they're knocked over. So that's part of the excitement of bowling them down and then they knock over and then they woo, they flash and light up. And, and I think one of them is broken, so it doesn't work. But like you said, some kids might get fixated on why isn't that one lit up. Right. And a, a comment I want to make in response to what you said is that um, since then, 
we've had some crazy stuff going on in our house um, with workmen here and this and that. And I haven't had a chance to bowl with him. And I notice he has no interest in doing the bowling. So I think part of the motivation for him to do this bowling was exactly what you said. Mama's playing with me. I want to play with my mama and that social component because they, otherwise they just sit there in the corner. And it's so not the things, it's the people, it's the person. And this is because, because you've spent hours and hours and hours wooing him into the social world and not letting him kind of retreat into the more mechanical world of the toys and private ideas that he can control. And that's that we're going to be talking about that, the shared control in a relationship experience. Great. Okay, so I'll play and you let me know when to pause. Okay. A difficult or square or a okay. So I think just to set up what I, the, my frame of reference for looking at this is definitely looking at how he's doing in his social emotional capacities along the trajectory that Dr. Greenspan and Reader uh, described for us. And also what are you as the adult doing, what strategies are using, you using to facilitate his optimal social emotional functioning in this particular moment? So I wanted to point out from the very start that um, it's a, what I, where I think he's really working very hard at, is at the highest, most robust levels of capacity four, which is about complex social problem solving, which here the problem is, and it is often in floor time or any, in, a, in a play date or in a school setting during free time, what is the problem? The problem is how are you and I going to spend our time together in a way that, that is pleasurable for both of us? And the main strategy that, that I think that you're actually uh, displaying and, and showing in this video so well that, it, that I call 4.8 social flow and it's um, it's all about helping the children to understand how to be together in that very abstract and complex situation of, of a social relationship. And some people try to work on children's social skills. Everybody's trying to work on children's social skills and maybe break, break those down into um, specific steps that children can learn how to think about you and think about me and think about us together. And I call that enhancing the understanding of emotional meaning and the flow of social interactions. So we may have to be what I call a social translator in floor time. And so right off the bat, if, if we're looking for that, we see you already did that when he was getting kind of excited with his own ideas about the bowling and you said, oh, too fast. Now that was 
you, he's probably heard that many times from you guys. And so for those of us just tuning into your relationship, maybe we can understand that that's a cue to him that he forgot about your mind or the other person's mind can't go that quickly with him. And there's many times when you're going to be helping him remember that or even doing the work for him of bridging his ideas to your ideas. And I, I call all of that social flow support or facilitation so that we can all think about how you're a stand-in right now for a peer. You are helping him learn how to have friendships. We all want our children not to be lonely, to have friends, and to have friendships that last, and so that they have the full meaning of life. And so I, that's what I hear from parents at Greenhouse Therapy Center every day. I'm worried about my child's friendships or social skills. And here at home, hour after hour, when you have the chance, you're working with him on these basic capacities so he he can be have really uh, strong friendships. And that means he has to learn to, to participate in watching, observing, and understanding the flow of information between two people. So you gave him a quick little cue there, up oh, too fast, which was not a criticism. It was a cue for him that, don't forget, I have a mind that has to keep up with yours or you're going to lose me. And if I'm a, a child, I'll just go find something else to do. So he's learning throughout this whole bowling experience to remember that there's two of us together and we we're trying to track with each other in order to solve the problem of how do we have fun together. So let's watch for other opportunities where you were helping him. Uh, you were enhancing his understanding of the emotional meaning and the flow of these interactions between you. And it's not just about bowling, is it? No, and I can also point out that you can see he's sitting cross-legged bouncing. His legs are bouncing. He's really excited. And it's hard for him to wait. And I barely get the last bowl set up, and he's, he threw the ball already. So that's him really self-regulating yes. um, and really helping calm that body that does not move. His vestibular system is on fire all day long. <laughs> yeah. So this is the growth we see in him is that he's been able, we will watch this tape as you won't believe for those of you who've been kind of touching in before how well he, you have worked to um, stretch out what I call it 4.1, 4. stretch out the interaction so that he can keep going forever. That's why we're, we talk about this as capacity four, that it's not just some reciprocity, but sort of endless circles of reciprocity yeah, that keep going and going. Keeping it sustained, yeah. Keeping it sustained, which is what it, we can see now he can do. Or um, we, I also talk about this as, lengthening his attention we all want our children to have a better attention span um, and how you've done that is by joining his interests his focus entering his world and then expanding it and that's the verb that i think adults can keep in mind when we're working on capacity four is how do we expand the this social flow and yeah like you said sustain it so okay if we can and, and, to, add, and to add one more thing um I think a part of capacity four is being able to do that in different emotional states. And although I don't know that we see it in this video, I can't remember. Um, 
I will let you know just in general, even when he gets very dysregulated and upset, we can still sustain that back and forth um, where we're co-regulating with him to help him get through it instead of him just losing it and tantruming. Um, he's actually able to stay in it with us when he's quite upset and he might go ah! and kick something or throw something. We're able to then co-regulate and he will stay in that long sustained interaction, which is a huge improvement as well from a few years ago. That is beautiful. So he can receive your co-regulatory support uh, in that, in that sustained interaction, even as his emotions may get, we won't see it during bowling play today, but uh, that's good to hear that he's growing in that way too. And if he can't, he will come back quickly. Mm -hmm. So some examples of at school where he gets really frustrated and they, they have these light fixtures and now he's discovered that he can throw stuff and they get stuck up there. (laughs) So at least a few times a week we get messages like, Oh, his glasses are up on the lights. His water bottle went up on the lights His whatever went up on the lights. So even when he gets that dysregulated that he, he's just had enough and he throws something or he runs within a minute or less, he's able to then co-regulate again. So better Mm -hmm. than having a 20 minute, you know, Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That means he's now able to participate in so many more kinds of experiences that he doesn't have to be shielded from because it's too upsetting for other people because he can get back with you within a minute. And that's because your focus in being trained in DIR has been on not on having him have a negative consequence for losing his temper or, you know, losing his impulse control, but that you've focused on the relationship being the main supporting vehicle for getting him re-regulated. Absolutely. And it may take 20 minutes before he is regulated again, but at least he's in that state of co-regulation. Great. Great. Okay. It's the opposite of uh, teaching parents that if your child is losing their temper and expressing their frustration inappropriately to to have them have, you know, be by themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, unless it's the, the rare child who does a lot better with that. But, but most, most children that makes the, the whole regulating process even worse for them, more complicated because of loneliness or shame or first increased frustration. So that's, that's really great to see that he's growing in that way. Oh, and Alex down first. Fickle! Oh, and Lightning Dark down. Romeo's down. Oh, right. They're all knocked down now. I'll take a strike again. Okay. Make sure we set them up this time. It is square. A circle. Oh, and a circle this time. Square, square, square! Oh, and a square. Who's in front? We didn't set up a triangle yet. Oh, that's a great idea. Yay! Who should go in the very front of the triangle? Catboy. Catboy. Outlet, outlet, uh oh. Did you change your mind? Hold your catboy and I'll let it go. Who's in the front? Luna. Luna goes in the front of the triangle and then. Outlet. And then I'll let the two girls. And then Romeo. Yep, the two girls, and then a boy, Romeo, and then Catboy. And then 
Pause for a moment and point out all the strategies that you're using to, to later in the video, you're going to challenge him. And that's where we'll really focus. But, but right now at the beginning, when he's so excited to play with mama and so excited to play this game that he wants to play, there's a lot more support from the adult to get going. So this, if he was in this state, it'd be hard for him to really connect with a peer, he really needs a, a, an adult to facilitate the, the true reciprocity we're going to get to. So he's calling all the shots and mama's just listening and supporting and um, responding to all of his communications. She's using the strategy of don't judge. Um, she's using this. Uh, you'll see better in a minute when we pull back. You'll see that she's using gaze tracking meaning she's really remembering to focus on, on her son and his thoughts, his feelings, and watching his eyes as opposed to watching all these interesting things going on over here, which is so tempting for us as adults to get distracted by the activity or the toy or the clay or the drawing or whatever it is that we're doing. Daria, you're watching him and you're... Uh, focusing your whole brain on him and that's the maximum level of support right now to help him manage his his overexcitement but you're not judging it I call that don't judge you know embrace all feelings you're embracing his excitement so that together in the relationship you can co-regulate the excitement to come down to a more optimal level where he's not overwhelmed by excitement and the game isn't overwhelmed by his overexcitement but he's going to be down regulating together with you because you're not judging it you're joining it and we'll see that even more as you you relax into the game you're going to be uh, sharing the pleasure with him and that way it can be held contained and managed between you and again then the bowling is about pleasure and that's the essence when we talk about social skills. It's not just to be together. It's to share the pleasure to, of being together. Here, Baba. You can have this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Take us out. Alla and Luna Girl are both down. <laughs> You got all the rest of them down. Actually, I think that's called a spare. Spare. Spare when you knock all the rest square, of them down. A square! Seems like square, doesn't it? A square and square. A circle and a triangle. What shape should we do that? Circle. A circle this time? Rectangle! Oh, I have an idea. You want to do one big long line? Yes! Okay. Who's going to be in the front of the line? Catboy. Catboy's at the front. And then Gecko. 
and then and then So there, and then we did expand a little. Um, you tucked in, you titrated in just a drop of your own idea when he was a little bit calmer and ready for you to be more of a person. We're going to talk about that particular strategy as well. The genuine self, um, what I call using a, a little bit more and a tiny bit more of your genuine self, meaning you're a person too. So you're not only a mom and a therapeutic play partner, you're, you're bringing in, oh, but I have ideas too. Can I, can I suggest one? And he said, yes. You probably chose one that you thought he might like. That's one way to make it an, a simpler challenge for him. And then later on, you're going to challenge him a little bit more by wanting a turn. But when we, um, I, I call this uh, 4.7 genuine self, allowing more of your genuine self in interactions so that um, he has to learn to be curious about your ideas too, that he has to remember how you might feel in the moment as well. We can't overload it. We can't insist upon it. We can't get, you know, uh, rigid. We, we do it in the course of sharing pleasure together. And that's what I mean by titrating it and by little drops. It, it's, it's easier to take this way when you actually have an opinion, a thought, or a wish that might be different from his, and he's learning to in, tolerate that and even enjoy it. And um, I, I also, at times, lowered my voice and whispered yeah. and slowed down when I noticed he was getting like, like super excited. And that was a way for me to sort of, again, co-regulate and keep him in that moment. Yes. And um, I think that we do that almost um, intuitively or instinctively after a while of, of practicing this method. But um, I, I call it B, B.3, adapt yourself. I try to put words to all these intuitive moments that, so that we can share them with another parent or another professional, um, a new parent perhaps, putting these things into words so that they, if they, don't, they haven't practiced this before or don't do it instinctively, that you're adapting yourself to his profile. You're calming or energizing depending on what he needs. You're always reading his state and adjusting yourself um to to be that that's an exceptional level of of support for him to do his best you you used anticipation when you were going to introduce that first idea you said oh i know you see you used a different kind of excited voice to cue him that there was something coming and that drew him right in um Again, because of the affect, and yeah. affect is so important in our interactions in floor time. Yeah. Right. So that for that means that expression of your internal state, your emotion, through your voice, your body, and your facial expressions and gestures. Uh, when you you're you're actually harnessing and lengthening his attention because you're expressing what's going on on the inside of you more clearly for him to capture his attention. So when you got excited with him, you raised your arms and his eyes went right to you. So you used that total communication system. Um, 
to help him because he might be his brain might be find it easier to default to thinking about the mechanics the balls and the pins and the numbers and the lights or whatever his brain might default to versus you're helping him also track the emotional channel at the same time by emphasizing your affect or your expression of feelings. So absolutely that helps him. And that's one way that you make it easier for him to allow you to use a little bit more of your genuine self as if you're a peer playing with him who also has ideas, who also has wishes and thoughts. short title to help uh, as a kind of a cue for us as the adults to remember we have so many hopes and fears for our children <coughs> and so we can be distracted not just by the activity but by perhaps the the behaviors that they have that you're we're always worried oh kids aren't gonna like that or adults will you know frown on that or won't understand and and yet if we were to kind of jump on every behavior that worries us a little bit, we would totally disrupt the shared pleasure that he's learning to expand and expand and expand. So you, you didn't jump on this or you didn't jump on that particular, you didn't criticize because this is playtime. This is not anything, but this is supposed to be playtime together to, to strengthen the connection, the bond and all these these social emotional skills. So that means letting things go along the way. A lot of them. Um, the particular ways he might be expressing his excitement, the particular ways he might be talking um, or using his body that might be different. Uh, many parents find that super distracting. Um, and we have to have, when we're working with children who have developmental challenges, we have to have these priorities in mind. What's the most important thing? Is it fixing how he's expressing his excitement right now to look more like a typical child? Or is it that he expands his attention to, to being with somebody else and understands how to play with someone else? Obviously, that's the priority. So we let so many other things go along the way. And don't, we just don't judge the, the nature of the play, the feelings, the content. 
um, whether he's playing some aggressive theme that may not be the most pleasant idea, we don't judge. We, we, we hold those as less of a priority to talk about someday later, maybe, uh, when, we, we're, when we've reached our primary developmental goals. Thoughts about that? Is that hard sometimes when you see things that you could fix or correct or teach? Um, I think it's harder for my husband, especially in public. Like if we're at a train show and he's watching the trains and I've mentioned this on podcasts before, he's like, there goes the train going round the bend. There it goes. Like so loud. Yeah. And so everybody at the whole train show looks at us, right? Yeah. And my husband will be like, shh, 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 you know, and sort of hold his hand so he can't do this. Right. Um, he'll say, hey, hey, shh, keep it down, no, no, keep it down, or whatever. Um, whereas I will tend to go up to him and say, um, oh, you're so excited. Look at the train going. And I'll almost say it for the benefit of those people looking and listening. Like you're uh-huh. so excited, which is a way to validate what he's feeling, but also explaining to them, like, he's really excited. This is what he does when he's excited. Oh. Apologizing, like, oh, sorry, right. my son's so loud, because I'm not apologizing. I, right. I, no, no. But that's I actually... agree and entitled right to show his excitement. Now, if we're in um, a ceremony where everybody's expected to be quiet, he starts screaming or something like that. That's different. But... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go to restaurants and all the time there's people drinking and laughing and being loud. And yet mm-hmm. your autistic kid's loud and people look at you like there's something wrong with you. So mm-hmm. I have no uh, problem with my son being who he is in public. Um, but I know sometimes it's harder, especially for my husband, because he does feel the social pressures as well of, you know, maybe people came here to this restaurant to have a nice dinner and I don't want to be disrupting them um, if our son's super loud. And, and of course, that's the case too. So it's a balance. But yeah, but I think what you're doing is more of the 4.8 social flow in my, my thinking is that you're being the social translator in that moment, as well as doing empathic narration for him, which actually could help him manage some of that overexcitement in the moment by saying you're so excited i mean that's why we go to the train show together is to share the excitement and so like validating that can be very very satisfying for him connecting for him but also it you're the social translator for people around who, who may not understand oh that's the way he shows that he's excited oh okay and they can relax once they understand that yeah. we that all the time when we're trying to be parents with our kids on a play date and we're, we're doing that social flow or social translation back and forth, explaining the mind of our child to others, but also sometimes explaining the mind of the other people to our child so that there's that comprehension, enhancing that social comprehension. And then, then lo and behold, we can have a wonderful time together when we understand each other, especially true for kids. Yeah. And, and, and also, um, I think my, where my husband's coming from is he knows that this is my son being excited and, and he wants him to be excited, but he at the same time wants to instill in him the fact that we can't always just do whatever we feel like and want to do without considering all the people that are around us and where we are. And so he's essentially trying to teach him, if you want, um, 
that there are social norms that we will have to follow. So let's just keep it down. And, you know, he's not scolding him. He's not saying be quiet or anything like that. He's just like, hey, quiet voice or whatever. That's just a reminder and a helpful helpful one. It's not judging him for having a reaction. But I would say also you probably do a lot of this um, X.7, I call it previewing rehearsing before we get back into the next situation where for your, you know, people might, might be confused or disturbed even by, by loud voices that every child, not just a child with developmental challenges does and every adult too, does so much better at managing that new situation. If we've gotten the expectations ahead of time, adjusted to them, internalize them so having kids talk through so when we go to the train show and we're really excited but there's lots of people around what are we get how are we going to talk if that's what you know your husband would really like him to learn that i think he'll he'll get so much further of having of having your son think about it ahead of time and even verbalize so we know he's really taken it in and understood it oh yeah I'm going to talk quietly and then we can celebrate that. Yeah, you're going to talk quietly. So, and why are you going to talk quietly? Even when you're excited and you could say, Oh, so that other people can enjoy it too or whatever. And then he will have, I would say 90% more likely to have success than in the moment of excitement, trying to have a teaching moment. That's not the best teaching moment. And when we constantly cue and remind, cue and remind, I don't think we're getting to the understanding of why to inhibit this particular impulse. Maybe it's a really important setting, maybe not a train show, but a, like you said, a, a service or something. Well, I can give you another example that is with me. Um, I've been bringing him to the splash pads since the weather's been nice. Yeah. And it never fails. He'll drink the water. <laughs> And, or he'll steal the other kids' pails. Right. And so we, it's happened a bunch of times and we did that sort of on the fly, like, hey, hey, no drinking water, hey, 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 you know? Yeah. And um, so then now every time we go, we, we've done that sort of the expectation. So I'll say, okay, remember, what are the rules? And he'll say, don't drink water, don't touch other kids' stuff or whatever. And he sort of says it like this, like, yeah, 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 I, I'm ready to go, mom, I got it, I got it kind of thing. And then we walk there and I'll say, and he's starting to read everything. So he reads this sign. says, do not drink the water. And I said, yeah, that's right. Remember, that's a very important rule. You could get very sick. This is not drinking water. It's not clean. And then sure enough, like every two minutes, he's trying to drink the water. So I'm going, hey, hey, no drinking water. And then um, last time what I did was I said, come here, sweetie, come here. And he came up to me and I said, sweetheart can't drink the water or I'm going to have to bring you home. It's mama's job to keep you safe. You really can't drink the water. I think we better go home now. No, no, no. I, I won't drink water. I want to stay. I want to stay. I said, okay, we'll stay. But if I see you drinking the water, I'm going to have to bring you home. So then he goes back and, and then it maybe it's 10 minutes till he drinks the water. And so then I just sort of walk up to him quietly. Cause if he sees me coming, he's running and getting away from me. And then I just get, okay, come on, sweetie, it's time to go now. I've got to keep you safe or whatever. But um, it's, I guess my point is we're working on that with some things. We need to do expectations with more things. 
But even when we do that, it's very hard for him to control that. And he's maybe developmentally not quite there yet to be able to be in control, especially at the train show, getting excited and flapping his hands. He's not going to be able to control that impulse um, when he's super excited. But at least planting those reminders... Right. And I think he's reading and, and especially when they're reading, I, I love this one X.8 for this is the appendix in the book of dealing with problem behaviors like drinking the water, the public water, um, posting the rules is, is so helpful because that's just a whole nother channel of taking in is the visual because you've been you've been using the auditory previewing with him and then the, the visual channel. Um, and when we say rules, it kind of does have to have a consequence, as I say. Otherwise, it's just a wish. Mm-hmm. But if it's a rule, there actually is a consequence, and we learn from that. But I love how gently and non judgmentally you are telling him what the consequence is. It's not like, a, aha, I got you. I'm going to get my revenge because I'm going to implement that consequence with joy. No, you are em- empathizing with him that he doesn't want to go home but you might have to because of your job and you're explaining why. And I think the more he understands the why. So he's got, I think he's got a a third of this now when he can do the mantra of don't drink the water. That's great. That can be a super great cue for him, even that it's rhythmic and, and bodily expressed, but then, or else if he can state the, or else if he can remember himself, we have to go. And then the third piece is this why, because we have to be safe. I might get sick. I think those will support his impulse control. The other thing is, I would say, you know how Dr. Greenspan always said with these challenging behaviors, we'll break it down and make it simpler. It, breaking it down would mean, let's see if we could go that the splash pad for two minutes without drinking the water. Do you think you're up? Do you think you can do that today? Could you do it for two minutes without drinking the water? And then we could regroup and say, you did it for two minutes and we can celebrate and do a happy dance. And now do you think you could do it for two more or should we go home? You know, this is like, that would be almost ridiculous. But if that's his level of capacity, then we shouldn't, we, it's on us if we forget that next time and think he can remember to not drink the water for 10 minutes or that he can go to the zoo all day or whatever it is. If we're working on a particular behavior, I say, let's do an outing just for that, just to work on that, mm-hmm. just to work on that rule. Let's ju- that's all we're going for. And let's make it super, super short. So as Dr. Greenspan said, let's make it a doable challenge, a, a, a reachable challenge so that we're always having success with uh, most of the time we're, we're, we're having a success and that's, that's what we learn from is from our successes more than we learn from our failures. Yeah. And the fact that the rule is posted by the city uh, sort of validates what I'm saying. Cause it's not, Oh, that's just mama saying that like, yeah. Oh, there somewhere else. It says that mama was right. And, yeah. um, and the other- half the rule, the other half is, or else we have to go home. And you guys could tack that up there for a moment. You could take a sticky note or we can post the rule at home. Typically we post it at home. It has the rule and the consequence, the rule and the consequence. So that, that, that's what a rule is, is it's always enforced. Right. And mom mom and papa's wish. And sometimes I care about their wishes and sometimes I don't, but if it's a rule, we always do it. We always do it. 
And it's hard because I absolutely hate ruining his play. Like, he has so much fun at the splash pad. He could stay there for two hours, like, just running through, and he loves seeing all the other kids, and he's just having so much fun. And here I am being this, you know, like, grumpy old person stopping him from having his fun. So I feel terrible doing it. But at the same time, he hasn't got sick yet from drinking it. I hope he won't. But what if he did? You know what I mean? Um, And it does say right there, this is reused water. It's not filtered. So that's pretty gross. Um, And he is at the point where a lot of times if he does drink it, he spits it out or I'll say, hey, spit it out. And he'll spit it out. But um, yeah, I, I feel terrible stopping his fun. (laughs) it's so hard and when I talked about priorities I think his learning impulse control might be a priority right now over he has a lot of fun and he has a really fun life and it is really hard to stop that fun because that's what childhood's about that's what we get such joy seeing our children have such joyful moments outside of their hard work and their therapies we want those moments so it's really hard to work on this Maybe he could also get involved in thinking about what would help me remember not to drink the water. Could I have something else in my mouth or could I have a reminder on my wrist or could I practice at home or what would help? So he gets, we want him thinking about making the rules, him thinking about what would help me uh, because we want to involve his prefrontal cortex in this, not only his lower areas of the brain that are more impulse respond impulse respond but thinking about it can can support that too okay we went far afield so let's see what's going on with his social flow and enhancing example right there where we're talking about what does it mean to titrate in more of the, the the other side of the relationship that there's two people who are playing the um more using more of your genuine self and you you snuck it in there without force and without insistence you you made it intriguing you said do you think you could set it up this time which is any way that we're we're changing up the play or possibly having more more shared control of the game and you let him think about it you didn't you didn't take away his autonomy and say now it's you know we have to do it this way we have to play it a certain way where I get a turn you have you said you invited him to think about it and he really did and he he considered it he said yeah but then he changed his mind back and we'll see how this develops Dressed up. From Cowboy for Halloween on the Weatherwell School. 
Gonna run around the school like Catboy? Outside. That's a good idea. That'll be a lot of fun. Well, we keep this set up Catboy outlet and get home we'll be a Catboy? Outlet? Yeah. Night Ninja? you some questions too it's probably second nature to you now to be this helpful and supportive by allowing him to direct most of this game 99% so far seems and not inserting your own random ideas that come up but for many of us when we first are playing with somebody we are we're jumping in and trading our own ideas the whole time and it's a bit of a fight of who's going to whose ideas are we thinking about and everybody loves the idea of floor time in terms of follow the child's lead follow their read their cues and join their world that's very captivating even the first time someone hears about it and what they don't realize is that's very hard to do because everything that happens stimulates our own thoughts and ideas and we have to table those the whole time while we're being with him in such a very present way so um this this is the way we're you were setting the stage for then bringing in just a tiny bit of you later when you ask him to allow you to have a turn um all the rest of the time you're planting your preparing this soil in a way by really joining him his you're following every thought even when he jumps to the another idea there you jump with him and you enjoy that idea with him and then you bring him back to the main idea which was setting up the pins but you're not if if you hadn't practiced this probably most of the time you'd be coming in with your own thoughts ideas and kind of distracting from joining his world 
Does that make sense? Do you see that? Yeah, and and I definitely know that, um, especially in conversation with uh, Dr. Gil Tippy, who um, consults with his school, said, you got to challenge that little guy way more than you are because he's just bossing everybody around, telling everybody exactly what to do, and he's totally ready. So start challenging, Mom. And I always forget to do that because I just, I'm just so in love with this little kid. I think he's the cutest thing. All his little gestures are so adorable that I'm just like enjoying the moment and and want to do everything for him. So I'm probably the worst person to be doing floor time with him in terms of pushing his development. <laughs> but um, I, I definitely, yeah, I'm aware of that and. Um, and that's something that I need to work on is how do I start challenging him a lot more with the idea that it's going to be helpful for him. Um, right. I'm not doing it to stress him out. I'm doing it to entice his development along. Okay. So we could work on, on that. Maybe next time we, we, we work on, um, I think challenging really is uh, inherent to working on capacity six. Uh, both the emotional thinking and the logical thinking in capacity six. Um, so, but I think, let's see, that's why I was excited to watch this. This We can maybe um, skip a few minutes where you guys are doing a lot of the counting of how many fell down. And when we get closer to the end, keep going. Yeah, for the viewers, I was just getting him to count. How many are left? How many are left? And he was just randomly saying a number. And I said, wait a sec, trying to get him to count. How many? One, two. Uh, so that wasn't as much floor time as much as me thinking, maybe I can start to get some math going here. <laughs> right, right. It worked. By the end, you had to remind him over and over how to how to focus, slow down, focus, and actually count versus, say, random numbers. But in the end, he did it with much less support, which was fun because he's still having fun. It kind of does show, you could use this clip to talk about how we, we can use affect-based learning moments too. Um, all right, this would be a good place to pick it back up. Two, three, four. Oh my goodness, that was the best one yet. Five, oh, you knocked down little girl. I'll let I wish we had ten pins. That would be fun. Ten. One. Right there was such a great moment of. We can re regulate our kids when they're when they don't have what they want. So often, in many parts of the day, when we just grant a wish in fantasy or join the wish, and you, it's such an, a deep expression of empathy when we do that. And there was a little bit of it, like, yeah, I wish we, I wish we had ten pins. Really validates that the wish and the frustration, in um, going there in our imagination, like, what would we do if we had ten pins? what how would we play then and just that is an embodiment of empathy when we join the wish in fantasy like that or grant the wish in fantasy i love that little moment and it helps him stay regulated then and it goes well after that okay. Two, three, 
four, five, five. So I'm doing a little cue for him to count, like shaking it. time he actually slowed down and counted yeah you're saying you used a, a little bit of rhythm and auditory support and you, um that worked for some reason for him to stop the random guesses and to actually count cool yeah. and i was counting with him but i was waiting for him to say the number first so that's why i was like shake and then he'd say four and i said four shake Five, five, so that it was him coming up with the, he was starting the sequence as opposed to just listening to me. I love that, that you're having him think, but you were supporting him to the degree he needed it. And that's the perfect level of scaffolding that you put up. And he needed full scaffolding, but then you took it down a little bit so he could actually say the number. But I think you were entraining his brain to a slower rhythm using the auditory of the shake and your voice and, a, and a, a rhythm to the voice to, to entrain a slower pacing to think about how do we count, which he knows how to do, but he was. Yeah. Because he knows the numbers off by heart, but getting him to match the number with each pin that we're doing is the challenge. And I've noticed an improvement in that because he used to always say, count the coach cars on the trains. And he'd go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, 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 even though there might be seven. And I'd say, what? And then I'd hold my finger over each car to count. And I noticed he's, I think he is counting objects now, whereas he couldn't do that a year or two ago. He did and it right there. He yeah, and sometimes he's not, but it, it's coming. He's at least now getting the idea. Like when we say one, we're pointing to this one object. When we say two, we're pointing that there's now one and two, as opposed to just going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, we, we see it. Because if if somebody wants to, you know, watch this again in the middle and see, he was just randomly saying numbers. But he's having fun with you. You're not judging him and you're not correcting him and you're not shutting him down and inhibiting his pleasure and his his thought process. But at this point, when you, you slowed him down with not by saying slow down and think or no, that's the wrong answer or anything that was discouraging – you slowed him down using that auditory rhythm pattern of four, five, six, you know, with the shaking and the waiting. And that worked perfectly because then independently he counted the, the, the ones that were down correctly and the ones that were up cor correctly for the first time. So it really, really worked for him to not just enjoy reciting and stating numbers, but using that one-to-one -one correspondence of counting, it worked. All right, let's see how you begin to bring yourself in here. Right. Kathleen's knocked out. He is. Can you set them up this time? I'm going to go to the bowling place again. Oh, that's so much fun. To put a ball on the underground and then chop. Up to cloud. What's that? At a similar place. The white place? Uh, Bubba, can you tell what it is? I'm not sure what place you mean. A lake house. Lake house? Place! The bowling place? Yeah. 
The place we went to in what city? Windsor. Oh, Colasantes? Yeah. Is that the place you mean for bowling? No, just that one. The place we went with Grandpa? Yeah. The five pin bowling? Yeah. Okay, what that one's called. You want to go back there? It's a couple this hop here. He's, he he always has these things jump into his head. He's remembering back when we went bowling. And I have no clue what he's remembering and trying to get him. You're not discouraging him. You're supporting him by you. You guys have this long distal or distance mutual gaze. Your faces are totally connected. Your body is using this anticipatory stance where you're obviously showing him. I want to share ideas with you. And he is totally focused, calm, and persistent in fixing these communication breakdowns. So they call them, you know, repairs, communication breakdown repairs that speech therapists are looking for and would throw a party throughout this little interchange, even though it may be frustrating as a parent thinking, nobody's going to understand my child if he th brings in random ideas and he can't make himself understood. But he wants to, and he keeps trying because of obviously all the work you guys have done. It's showing him, I think your ideas are important. I want to share them. And he's fixing, fixing, fixing as you patiently, patiently stay with him. I think this is beautiful work because he's enjoying getting to a shared idea with you. And that's the, that is the core, the seed, and the essence of a social relationship. Now, I don't remember if he ends up remembering what he was thinking of, and I don't know if it actually was the five-pin bowling we did with Grandpa that he was remembering. Um, but at that point, I don't think it mattered because he's just excited to be remembering bowling somewhere yes. and relating it to this experience. Right, and you're not getting distracted by, I, I don't know what you're talking about. You're still sticking with the whole core seed of we're, do, we're thinking about something together. That will be working. It was a gumball machine there that was broken? Yeah. Oh. Well, maybe it will be fixed. I don't like the hotel there was a gumball machine. It won't be all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. That gumball machine is the fanciest gumball machine we've ever seen. That was bad on the gum. Yeah, that gum was yucky. He went, <laughs> <laughs> <in> the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> we need a minor for 10, then for 11, card for 12. Oh, but we only have five pins. We need. Can well, you set them up this time for me? I want to take a turn. So, I have to, that. This is the part I wanted to get to. We had such beautiful preparation. So, Somebody watching and saying, like you brought up, that Gil Tippy wants everybody to be challenging him more and more and more. Maybe because, or maybe. because, he, because he's at a developmental level where he's now ready, where he might not have been a year or two ago. Yeah. Right. And, but this tape, this video clip makes the point that there's some, some connection, like Finally, I mean, Dr. Greenspan would say, finally, he was regulated. So then we can go up to engagement, reciprocity, and, and, and 
complex communication and then you were going into some abstract symbolic thinking about possibilities and I think you could have even challenged him into some logical thinking right then but because of everything else that had happened to prepare the soil where you guys were so empathically connected that the system was totally co-regulated right there and that's when you did the challenge you did challenge and said can I take a turn right now that's that I agree because, and Dr. Tippy would full-heartedly agree that if you challenge before he's ready, it's not going to work. And I see it all the time too, where, um, you know, even at school drop-off or something, um, it, it's that time of day and, you know, it happens every single day. So it's hard to be on 100% of the time, but, you know, so usually they're amazing with all the kids and, and then occasionally one day, They'll try and nudge him a little too soon to go and transition before he's ready. So we get that feedback immediately because he's like, no, like this morning, he's like, no, I want to sit right here and do nothing. He said, <laughs> and you just have to sit and do nothing. And, and then, um, what they did so lovely was they said, Oh, wow, we're waiting for our friends to come or something. And then, Hmm. I bet so-and-so is going to want to do the obstacle course. I wonder if you want to set it up for her. Do you want to set it up before she gets here? And then he's like, and he gets right up and goes. He's so excited. So taking those extra few minutes and Dr. Gordon Neufeld, the developmental psychologist out of Vancouver would say, collect before you direct. (laughs) So get that connection and collect the eyes, the nod, the smile before you're then asking something of the child. Similar concept. Okay, and uh, Tina Bryson, when she's uh, with Dan Siegel writing The Whole Brain Child, they too say, they say, connect before you redirect. Yeah. So I like the collect. I I love Dr. Neufeld's ideas and how well they support DIR. Also, Dan Siegel using a a neurodevelopmental, neurobiological developmental approach connect before we redirect and we see this here so perfectly you guys were just totally sharing thoughts and feelings together while he calmed down he could really imagine and think he could do his higher capacities and then you said could I take a turn and he says yes so let's watch how that goes let's see if he can do it yeah Okay, so you're not lucky. There you go. Right here. Okay, perfect. You gotta set them up set all that. Oh, yes, sir. 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 Mama got a strike. Yes, yes. Look at that. I'm going to go with Albert. Albert. Ready, set, go! Lucas, you're a great setter upper. I got another strike. You can do this. I want to set up this outlet game. Oh, no strike that time. 
How many did I knock down? One, two, three. Three down and three left. Oh, please. Here you go. Oh. Wait, this is the office. Let me just fix the camera. Wait, this is the office. Good one. Oh, 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 it's your turn again. Oh, oh. Mama, it's your turn. Oh, is it my turn? A violin's glasses. Come on, this side. A violin's glasses. Blocking the camera. Uh oh, think he was ready for that. Uh, it looks like it, because he then told me to go take my turn. I know. At first you thought, oh, we're back to the old way, and and it's easier for him to go back to being in total control. And he surprised you and said, no, Mama, it's your turn. What a great moment. Maybe it's because I was so encouraging, like, oh, you set up the pin so perfectly and I got a strike. So it made him feel good about what he did. Uh, mm -hmm. Or who knows mm -hmm. if that was why or not. But there mm -hmm. mm -hmm. goes high school glasses. G L A S S E S. Glasses. Thank you. You should we didn't get the Toledo bowling pin. Just giggle. So I'm I'm deciding that I'm gonna challenge him here and wait. Ready, set, go! Oh, yeah. Unbox it and go! Set, go! Ready, steady, go! Roll it! Oh, roll it! Hey, play the trick on me! Oh, the camera! Can we stop there? Look on the Maybe I waited too many times because he was like, ready, set, go, ready, set, go. Come on, why aren't you doing it, Mama? Ready, set, I said, ready, set, go. <laughs> so there, we, there we're at that core. You were just reflecting a moment ago about some, some of the things as a parent that make it hard to move along and challenge more as you're being asked to um, by Gil Tippy. And you said partly is you're totally in love with your child and you love the way he is right now. So you're not you know, over anxious for him to change. You love how he is. And that's why he feels so safe to be himself and love himself and not be self-deprecating. And It's certainly not that I don't want him to change and grow. It's that I'm just so enamored by him and find him so cute yes. that I'm just yes. in awe of him every moment, right. gushing right. over his cuteness because he's my son and I adore him. Um, right. And yeah. I'm not thinking about making things hard for him because I like seeing him happy. <laughs> yes, and it makes you happy to see your child happy. So all of these things can possibly come in where a, a therapist coming in sees the the goal and let's get to the next step. Let's get to the next step, and and um, it's it's really helpful to hear you say those. Those are some of the temptations are just to be so enamored. I always say the cuter a kid a, a kid is the the pro more problematic it is because the cuteness is distracting us <laughs> from what's really going on here. Yes, he's cute. And there's other things going on too. And um, just in any kind of therapy with kids, it can be a little distracting that, and, and you're saying, yeah, the love, but that love and delight is what really, really leads to the deep joy inside of him, the delight you have in him. So your automatic thing is maybe I, waited too long because he got a little frustrated, didn't he? He said, roll it with some, you know, growly voice. 
And I'm thinking, no. I'm thinking, well, why is that too long? Why is it bad if he's frustrated? If that, that's what it is to play with another child. There's constant frustration. And we learn to that distress tolerance or to habituate to the minor frustrations in the service of the, the overall joy of playing together. And so two things happened good. He got really much more creative because instead of every single time it being the same old memorized script of ready, set, go, he tried a number of ways to motivate you. So you got him to think about your mind. So he got more flexible. He thought about your mind and what might motivate you to go. And then he got to feel a little bit of mini frustration, which is part of playing with another person. And to, get, to develop his distress tolerance, which is something that as a parent, you're saying it's hard to work on that one because you're happy when your child's happy and you're not happy when your child's not happy. So for your own sake, it's hard to work on distress tolerance. So, yeah. Really and, and also to, to clarify um, for listeners, not, not that I have to clarify, but just I just feel good about pointing this out. When I say my kid's so cute, I don't even mean like physically. I just mean all the adorable things he does, the things he's saying, the way he's going like this with his hands, like all of that stuff. I just find so adorable because, you know, just like um, parents, you see your kid crawl for the first time. You see them walk for the first time. You see them say a word for the first time. So that's what I mean by he's so cute. Like all these funny things that he does, I find so funny and adorable. <laughs> I think that's a great clarification because that that is kind of goes back to what we were talking about about differences and do we want our child to look typical and look like the other children at school versus their uniquenesses and the fact that you're so in love with him means you're in love with his uniquenesses. And Absolutely. that is a super, yeah. gift, super gift. You're not looking at him in terms of physically like is he fit the magazine stereotype of a child's face or something. You're talking about who he is and his mannerisms that are very unique to him, that, that draw you to him. So I think that that's that beautiful reasoning why parent-mediated approaches, which DIR floor time is a parent-mediated approach, because you have that delight, you have that love that you can get the furthest with him. Not only do you have the most time with him, you, you're the one who's totally in love with him. And so that supports the, his ability to be challenged and to, to do harder and harder things in floor time with you because the love and delight is the, is the support to allow the challenge. Right. Okay. Shall we watch the last 47 seconds? Yes. <laughs> I just ate, 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 trick on the that made you think of Ace playing a trick on me? Yeah, that was a fun movie. That was funny. It was, it was not very funny for me. San Francisco! And it, it's just Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Ready, steady, and go. <laughs> oh, I missed again. We hit again with Jekyll Set go! Oh, I think that's pretty much it. He just got um, distracted at the end because um, 
Um, he was talking about the Thomas movie. Something we said reminded him of um, something that happened in the Thomas movie, and he'll do that a lot. He'll just bring in some other thing that he's thinking about. Uh-huh. Uh, you're really challenging him by not following his expectations there. First, it was whether you were going to do the ready, set, go or not. Then your your bowling is now off, and... Um, that might cause him to kind of go to his own pleasurable, repetitive ideas um, that you're, you're not really very predictable right now. And I think that's bringing in, you know, a lot more challenge. And that's what it's like to play with a child and have a friend is that they, they almost never do what you expect them to do and, and helping him learn to handle the distress and, and of that unpredictability and then find the novelty to be funny. There's a, a moment, moments before where he was being funny and you were just taking the time to laugh with him. And that's, that's exactly what kids enjoy the most about playing together is those. Even though it was a contrived laugh on my part, like I was going, ha, 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 that was funny. So it was more of a contrived laugh. And then I don't know if you saw, he imitated me exactly. He went, ha, 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 ha. Like he did the same thing that I did, which was kind of funny. <laughs> well, if that happens again, you guys can talk about it. You could say, yeah, that wasn't mama's real laugh, huh? I was just trying to be friendly. I was tr pretending that it was funny to me. Um, but you laugh a lot along the course of the way. And I think laughing together is underrated. I think it really does capture why we want to be with people. Why do we want to be with the people we click with? It's, it's, it's so satisfying and gratifying and reinforcing for us to laugh together. And so true, true laughter, finding, you know, his, it's a little hard because what that would probably crack a kid up and it doesn't necessarily crack up a parent. But if we can see through their eyes what's funny and what's a joke to them, we can often just remember what it's like to be their age and to find the craziest things truly deeply belly laugh worthy and, and try to join in that. So you did beautiful reflection yourself about your own um, needs to grow in, in more of the um, challenging where you've learned so well how to support him and how to have that balance come in when you're totally in love with him in the cute ways that he is right now. Um, anything else that you noticed in, in watching yourself um, maybe as, as compared to a couple of years ago, uh, maybe what you've seen is easier for you now or what's harder, the hard parts for you now? Well, I think it's definitely easier that I picked an activity that involved movement because we've talked about this before he needs to move around he needs yeah. to we did a video before where we were doing play-doh at the table where he was sitting um i don't know that it was harder or easier or whatever but when he's on the ground and he's moving around and rolling the ball and that that helps support the eye the individual differences in the dir model so i'm 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 already laying the groundwork for uh, an environment that'll be easier for him to interact and, and push him developmentally as opposed to if we were, I don't know, in a 
in, like we were in in an enclosed space, but I mean, if we had to sit still or something, it would have been much harder for him to maintain that attention and back and forth interaction for a long time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess I more intuitively know that now that whether it's bowling or we're throwing water balloons or, you know, something that involves movement is where we're going to get the best out of him. And which is, you know, contradictory to a school traditional school type setting where they want to get the best by sitting and being calm and teaching and (laughs) that kind of thing. Um, I think he would struggle very much with that. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to be that kinesthetic learner. He's got to be using his body to stimulate his attention and be in, in motion while he's learning. He's clearly learning all the time with you while he's moving. Yeah, I mean, um, we recently got rid of his car seat. He's way too big for a car seat, but it says maximum 60 pounds, and it was already the bigger kind for bigger kids, and he's now 84 pounds. So uh, it's been quite a while now, maybe six months, but having him in just a regular seatbelt now, we have a special clip, so it's harder for him to undo it, but even still, that's been such a challenge because he just wants to move around and he's figured out how to crawl underneath and get out of it. And, you know, he now can press it and get out sometimes mm-hmm. on his own. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a big concern of mine. And certainly it is if he's drive if we're driving on the highway or something and he crawls out of his seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, um, yeah, he, he just feels that need to move. So that's where I have to come in right away with that engaging something or other while I'm driving, looking in the rear view min- window to sort of distract him from crawling around and mm-hmm. focus on, Oh, look, there's an outlet car. So right now his latest thing is looking at any blue car that goes by as a cat boy, any red car that goes by as outlet, any green car that goes by as gecko. And, oh, we never see gecko cars. There's not so many gecko cars. Uh, but actually there's more green cars out there than I thought once you start looking for them. <laughs> so um, yeah, getting him to, you know, pulling him back in the minute in focusing on, you know, that, and, and it takes, <laughs> I mean, um, it, that's the type of thing that I'm just a natural multitasker looking around doing those kinds of things. I, I recognize it. It's much harder for my husband to, he doesn't drive, mm. thank God. No. <laughs> he doesn't drive, but when he's, even if he's a passenger in the car, it's really hard for him to sustain that kind of attention. Like, um, uh, so everybody's going to find, you know, what's easiest for them to do in certain moments. Um, Mm -hmm. But that movement for him is like impulse control and not being able to sit still. Hyperactivity is definitely our our big challenges because the other developmental pieces are really coming along nicely. Okay. Does he do um, the wiggles or anything like dance kind of movements with music that you guys could pop in when you're driving? He loves all the PJ Masks songs, so they're now in my head 24-7. I know every lyric inside and out, so um, I'll catch him sometimes. I'll I'll be driving and listening to my own podcast, and he'll have his iPad playing the songs, and I'll see him going, (laughs) like, making gestures and dancing, and then he's starting to be able to sing along to it a little bit. The timing is hard for him, but... um, the fact that he can sing along at all is amazing because he would never have been able to a year or two ago. So all these coordination type things are slowly, slowly coming together. But in terms of a, 
okay, ready, set, go. We're going to do the dance moves. Not so much. That would be too hard for him. I, I, and not, I don't know. Well, I just answered my own question. I was going to say he wouldn't even be interested, but I think he wouldn't be interested because it's too hard for him. Yeah. Okay. But doing, doing his favorite songs that he's, he's quite engaged with that. You're saying sing, trying to sing or trying to mouth the words to his favorite songs. And then that, and you're saying whenever his brain is engaged, then that hyperactivity is kind of dampened a little bit. Yes. You need to get out, struggle, squirm, move. Okay, that's cool. And I, I would use a lot of descriptive praise at those moments, like, oh, you're entertaining yourself. Or, you know, you're, you're not getting out of your car seat. And that's really safe. Um, you're keeping your seatbelt on while you're thinking about some other things. So really, really... Um, kind of getting him on board with the same goal that you have in your mind, getting him involved in that same goal. So you're not trying to manipulate him, but you're working together on this goal of expanding his impulse control. Yep. Yep. So much to think about. I don't know how your brain doesn't explode sometimes. Oh, it probably does. Uh. (laughs) I haven't seen it. But um, I can't thank you enough for doing this again. I always enjoy uh, getting the feedback from you and and um, just even cataloging cataloging the development over time. Yeah. Uh, see him every six months to a year, and just yeah. getting your feedback because you know, as a parent, you see them every day. It's harder for us to notice, whereas you notice right away. Like, wow, he's really come along through yeah. uh, FEDC four a lot. Yes. Yeah, I am excited to see it. And I am in agreement with the other opinion that he's, you know, he is ready. He's ready for more, more challenge and more distress tolerance work. And that has, that means you have to give up some of the focus on the, 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 the so much fun all the time. Cause he's got to learn to get past that and then find fun through, through those moments of frustration. So, right. Okay, that's on my docket for our next podcast. Yay, how fun. Okay, thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Dr. Andrea Davis. Listeners, viewers, you can find out more and and look at uh, what we discussed today at affectautism.com. Do a search for Andrea Davis, and I will put links to her book and the strategies she mentioned, so you can uh, check all of that out at affectautism.com. Thank you. Bye. Until next time, here's to affecting autism through play.